Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark, the podcast. And in this week's programme, uh, not too many subjects, Kiri, but uh, certainly a very important one because uh, you spoke to, I suppose, one of the members on the Isle of Man that gets a lot of earache from farmers. Yeah, Brian Brumby, the president of the Manx National Farmers Union, He's very passionate about the current state of agriculture. There's a lot of change ahead. His consultation documents just been released from DEFA. And uh, prices being generally low across agriculture is all massively concerning at the moment. Yeah, and a lot of people, I suppose he's one of the first ports of call, isn't he, for Absolutely. farmers? And, you know, things are so marginally tight at the moment and you know the weather hasn't helped this year as well has it it certainly hasn't these winter months seem to be getting longer and you only have a window of possibly four months in the summertime to make winter feed and it's 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 very difficult to compete on a yeah, world market with such climates here at the moment. And the weather wasn't too bad when I took a trip to Ballinorman Farm and Balaf to speak to Claire Lewis, uh, who, with her partner Mike, are in charge of Isle of Man Goats. And um, they have been running a thing called Kidding Chaos. You know, we've done Lambing Live, and uh, that's where the, the kids and the parents have been invited to to farms to see it live happening, you know, the the, the sheep having lambs and stuff in front of them but this is where where they have the goats on their place and uh, the kids have had a chance to to see them you know as really tiny kids you know the the baby goats and actually hold them for themselves and uh, and and then get a chance to see the other bits of the little farm and feed the hens and collect the eggs so uh, it was a a wonderful uh, couple of days out there and it's uh, proven very popular at the weekend so uh, I went along to find out uh, how how she was coping with it all there. And did you have a cuddle of one or two? Yes, yeah. one as well. And uh, they're lovely and soft as well. The they fur are on. Gorgeous, so used to, to holding the sheep. You <laughs> shouldn't say too much. About that. <laughs> but uh, you, when you when you you know they got wiry wool, haven't they? Oh, that's you know, right. But these goats are were very really soft smooth, and delicate, so aren't they? About that. So uh, that's what's installed for this week's countryside. Manx Radio's countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. <laughs> Well, a few weeks ago on Countryside, I caught up with the DEFA Minister Richard Ronan to find out what was happening in all the various uh, remits under his DEFA role, particularly the agricultural side of things. But a lot of the farmers on the Isle of Man are represented by the Manx National Farmers Union, Kiri, as well. And uh, you'll know quite a bit about that from your farming background, your farm and, uh, family's farming background as well. It has been difficult times recently in agriculture, so I popped along to see Brian Brumby, the NFU president, to see what the current state of agriculture is in the Isle of Man. As we know, the Manx farmers historically have received less for their products anyway than some of the UK farmers due to the location of the island, the freight costs, etc. So it is leaving Manx agriculture in a very delicate and vulnerable position at the moment. As you're probably well aware, one of the top flocks on sheep flocks on the island recently has been dispersed to the UK. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to say there's probably more to follow and I can foresee land being left uncultivated as the returns aren't there to make it worthwhile you know, carrying on in a way. Government have just released a document for consultation about the grants and the support system being amalgamated and changed 
What's the NFU's views on this? The consultation seems to want to put all of the current grants uh, available to agriculture into, into one pot. Firstly, it seems a strange time to launch this consultation because as most of the general public will be aware that springtime is a very busy time for farming. Well, I mean, she, you know, two, three hours sleep at a time. And it sort of highlights this disconnect between what's actually happening in agriculture and uh, our own department. So it's a bit strange to have this consultation at, the, at this time of year. Secondly, the scope of government stated that stakeholders should be masters of their own destiny, more involved. And in the agricultural side, the Industry Advisory Committee, or IAC as it's called, was reformed as a debate and discussion vehicle. We had not been made aware through that forum of any problems in the present grant schemes. As far as we were aware, they were directed and tailored at specific areas to give the greatest benefits and are Tim Wald approved. So again, I say we weren't aware of any problems, so slightly surprised that this consultation came out. And what the consultation seems to be pointing out is that all the different grant schemes the money's from should be put into one depart one pot of money with the department being this sole arbitrator of where these monies are spent. So that will surely lead to a lack of clarity and accountability going forward. A third area on that is the consultation also highlighted, made comparisons with the way that Jersey were distributing their grants. But there is no evidence within the consultation that this is a superior format that Jersey are using. They may be doing it differently. It may fit DEFA's current agenda, but there is no evidence that there is a superior format. So we're yet to be convinced on it, to be honest. And it also, um, just slightly ironic that in the past, the Manx National Farmers Union have gone forward to DEFA with comparisons of what's happening in other jurisdictions on grants, etc., availability of and agricultural support, especially in terms of Scottish islands as a viable comparison to the Isle of Man, and then in particular with Orkney. And at all stages, we've been rebuffed and knocked back and haven't been entertained. So say a little bit ironic now that we're being compared to Jersey. And some of the um, finances will be directed to the food strategy plan, is that right? Yeah, it would appear so. In, in the forward from the Minister on this consultation, he talks a lot about food matters. The current food matters budget was set up through modulated money. That was money taken off of direct support to farmers and put in a, this fund to help drive the Food Matters policy, which is based around adding value, artisan niche products. And, and the Manx National Farmers Union supported this policy at the time, and it was agreed through Timwold on the level of budget and on the criteria for the Food Matters. So, but 
the administration of that Food Matters Fund is being taken on by a food business manager. This food business manager only started work in late November of 2015. So we, we believe at the moment that there is no evidence to back up putting further monies into the food strategy at the moment. Going forward, if results from this policy are proving successful, I see no reason not to support it going forward. But currently, with only basically four months worth of back data to work on, um, it seems a bit premature to be looking at putting more money into this policy. And the second part of the, uh, the consultation seems to now include the fisheries side of DEFA, which I've no axe to grind with the fisheries boys at all and wish them all the best in their, their businesses, etc. But if the fisheries have a solid business plan that would deserve more grants and more support and deliver for the island, surely our department should have been putting that to Treasury to release the funds pre-budget and not waiting until after the budget for this year has now just gone through Timwald and now trying to top slice the money that was earmarked for agriculture and transfer over to fisheries. Also, Brian, with the um, historic payments down to, to 40%, it still looks like farmers are having big problems. You know, the cost of production, the, the climate is having a massive effect on our products. Food is coming from halfway around the world and undercutting us. Linking the payment to the land, is there going to be problems with this? 12 months ago, when uh, the changes to the what was CCS and turned into the Agricultural Development Scheme, ADS. We campaigned hard with Tim Wall members to get in an active farmer clause so that the money going forward will be paid to the active farmer, i.e. the person doing the work on the land, not necessarily the land owner. And going forwards, there seems to have been an incorrect association between farmer support through the ADS and land rentals between landlords and tenants but the two should be disconnected because land rents should only be based on the commercial return that that farmer can get from that land. The payments are business support payments they're not a land area Payment. Farmers have always been encouraged since the single farm payment came out to add value to their products, to diversify. How do you think it's going to go in the long term? And it is right, we've got to look for new markets. And within the relationship between DEFRA and the Manx Farmers Union, we have what are called joint liaison meetings. And that's the elected officials from the union meeting with the department officials to discuss agriculture and what's happening and partly consultation on policy and all those areas. And at the last joint liaison meeting, we put forward about five different areas where we thought you know, the department could facilitate in opening up new markets or helping with access to mar markets on added value products. 
We were assured that they would come back to us on these areas, these topics, and we are now five weeks down the road from that last meeting. We have had a response on one of the areas, which was to tell us nothing could happen until 2017, and the other areas we've heard nothing about. Just to give some idea of you know the areas we were talking about and how we're trying to be positive and take the industry forward, yet again we were chasing the Seed Legislation Act, which actually went through Timwald in February 2015, but... As a farmer, that legislation has still not been enacted so that we can use it to grow these added value products for export. So another area is there's been lots of delays on is electronic identification in sheep, EID as it's termed. This was supposed to be brought in in late 2015 we then were furnished with a date of end of January 2016. That got moved to March 2016. And here we are in April now and still nothing. Still not being implemented. So um, we do try to be positive. We are looking for ways for it to take the industry forwards. But unfortunately, you know, we would have to say we're not getting a lot of help from our own department. Live export seems to be on the tip of everyone's tongue at the minute. What's your views, Brian? Ideally, cattle and sheep for slaughter should take place on the island from an animal welfare point of view. Unfortunately, it is getting harder and harder for the farmers to support Isle of Man Meats, the abattoir on the island, because of the low returns that are coming back out of there. It's generally accepted that the prices the Manx farmers receive are between 80 and 90% of a UK price. And that, that amount of money results in a million pound loss to the agricultural industry on the island, those 10% reductions in returns. And with the current state of mainstream agriculture, you know, farmers cannot afford to be subsidising this abattoir in the region of a million pound. Live exports at current ferry charges do not return anything better to the farmers at the moment. But you know, what we have asked for and consistently asked for is just a level playing field to give us the chance to compete with the UK farming community on a level playing field. I think, you know, with the reduced incomes to the farmers on the island, I think we've got some exceptionally good farmers out there for them to be keep going and still be going and still be planning forward with these financial restrictions. If we could find a way to compete on a level playing field I think the island's agriculture will be totally invigorated and and go forward successfully. Such little return on your product, it doesn't give much incentive for people to come in in, into the industry, Brian. No, it is difficult and a shame. As you rightly say, farmers have looked at diversification. We're also encouraged by our own department to diversify, to gain extra income. But personally, it has been a big area for me and 
you know, the Farmers Union, we have campaigned consistently for the last two or three years that one of the biggest income generators for UK farms and the biggest diversification that's happened in the last 10, 20 years in the UK has been green energy production. We have approached DEFA, we have approached DED, we have approached Manx Utilities, and been blocked at every attempt to get that up and running on the Isle of Man. And again, irony in there is that DEFA have just recently had a delegation from the University of Manchester doing presentations to Timwall members, doing an open meeting at Balakameen School, all sponsored by DEFA, who somehow you know, don't want to take it that step further and let the farmers get access to these green energy markets. You know, we keep comparing to the UK, but that's the markets we're selling into. If they're A, getting a higher return from the livestock in the first place, B, getting an added income through green energy, it becomes very, very hard for the Manx farmer to carry on and compete with that. So without being all doom and gloom, there are avenues what we could go down to increase income onto the farms. We have looked at them, some of them, we have proposed some of them, and want to encourage DEFA to facilitate and start the ball rolling on some of these. To summarise things, Brian, how do you see the next five years? It can go one of two ways. If we carry on as we are, it's going to be very, very difficult, and there'll be detrimental changes to agriculture on the island, with some land not being farmed, unfortunately. If we can look at and progress some of the ideas we've been working at, and some of these have been ongoing now for two years, three years, I'm afraid, but, but if we can get some traction on some of these ideas, yes, I still think there is, you know, a good future for agriculture on the island, but with the position we're in now, you know, these things have got to happen fairly quickly. So if we can get some traction on some of these ideas, I see a good viable future for Manxel agriculture. Unfortunately, we seem to have departmental time spent on constructing and publishing another consultation for an area we were unaware that there was any problems while practical and beneficial solutions go unattended to. The president of the Manx National Farmers Union, Brian Brumby. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, on a lighter note now, we've had, as I said at the start of the programme, lambing live on the programme, where kids are invited to go around with their parents and see uh, some live lambing uh, around particular farms here in the Isle of Man. But never before have they had the chance to go and see goats kidding, as they call it, which is their uh, version of giving birth. I went along to speak to Claire Lewis from Isle of Man Goats to find out how things were going. It's nice for them to come and see the goats. I mean, most of our goat mums, we've got about 60 breeding females now. Most of them we know by sight and by name. So we can give the visitors a bit of history about each goat and, you know, the kids she's had before, whether she's a pleasant goat, whether she's 
you know, a bit of a pain, <laughs> whether, whether, you know, we're going to keep her or not. Um, so we know each goat quite well. So that's lovely. And, you know, they, most of them look a bit different. And sometimes we've got something really unusual in the barn and all the children, and all the adults get to have a cuddle with a goat kid, which is quite special. Now there's some, some brown ones that they've been particularly paying interest to as well. I suppose they used to see yeah. in the, the white sheep lambs. Yes. Well, our purebred boar goats have usually got a white body and a brown head that's the breed standard they can have a little bit of white on the head but um, the browner the better but this year we've got twin sisters that we put to a new buck that we brought in last October and that genetic combination has given us two Kalahari red boars they're very very rare in the boar world so yeah we're chuffed to have those two absolutely gorgeous and they're they're brown all over how important is it for yourselves to have really good breeds off the goats? The boar sire is incredibly important because we're mostly producing meat animals in that side of the business. It's it's very light with your, your beef, cattle and your sheep. So much of it comes from having a top quality sire and our boys are some of the best really. We, we've got fantastic bloodlines, we've got a direct descendant, a son of the first UK boar male champion. We've got um, some of the best of the Australian bloodlines. And now with this new buck, we've got uh, some of the original, what they call full blood lines from the first of the South African boars where the breed was developed. And for instance, our little Australian buck, he's well over 20 kilos at 10, 11 weeks. So you know, it comes down to the breeding, really. And they, they breed quite quite young age, too, they can, can't they? The kids will have their first summer, most of the summer with the mum, then we'll wean them. They'll all run together as a, as a group through the winter and the spring and the next summer. And then the young females that are about 18 months, if they're up to breeding weight, and we take that quite seriously, then they'll go to the buck. So they have their first kids when they're about two years old. With our Angora goats, they don't breed until the next year because the pregnancy hormones downgrade the fleece considerably. So we like to get two extra shearings off them before they go to the buck. Turning back to the, the kidding chaos, I mean, you've, it's been quite <laughs> busy by the sounds of things. I know there's a good party in today. Yeah. I mean, is it similar, the goats, to lambing? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it's the same gestation. Um, I think goats on the whole are a little bit easier because although they're meat goats the kids tend to be very thin when they're born you know they're, they're quite long and thin it is quite rare that you have to really get involved just once or twice every every season Mike or I'll, I'll have to get really involved you know you, we had one the other day we had three legs coming out at the same time and two of them were back legs you know that sort of thing yeah. you you need to get involved and sort out but on the whole they do kid themselves and they, they kid reasonably easily. Um, but goat kids are quite fragile in the first 48 hours. Yeah. So if they do kid outside, we bring them in quite quickly and pen them and keep an eye on them. They're and too valuable not to. What about the, the kids and the parents here? They've not been giving uh, you too much trouble and one or two well, chasing hens well, today? <laughs> um, we sometimes have the odd chaser. <laughs> so we'll sometimes have, it's usually a, a young lad who thinks it's okay to, you know, chase the chickens. 
but Mike keeps an eye on that. Apparently I'm a bit bossy. <laughs> and we do have, we, we keep a few pot eggs in the nesting boxes, which we call William eggs, because we once had a little visitor called William who wanted to smash all the eggs. So, <laughs> so we just put a pot egg in each, each of his hands. But by and large, I have to say, like most of our visitors are absolutely fantastic. And it's a joy. It is a joy to share what we do with people that don't have an access to this you know and you get you get six or ten children sitting on straw bales they've each got a goat kid on their lap and you know once the goat kid settles down and it's all sleepy I mean it's it's blissful it's just it's absolutely I feel blessed to be able to do this for my job and to be able to share it with people because it is very special. Right, what's your names? Alice Crellin, Ellie Jane Crellin, Ava Dimmer. And what have you been doing today? We've been feeding the chickens and looking at the goats. And how many goats were there? Two? About 350. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm not sure. There were quite a lot. Yeah, and there was big ones and little ones, was there? Yeah. And what was your favourite? The little ones. Did you get to hold them? Yeah. Yeah. Did you both get to hold them as well? Yeah. yeah. Was it scary? No. Not really, except mine kept kicking and trying to escape. All right. Did you manage to hang on to it? Yeah. They're quite nice, the goats, though, aren't they? They're quite friendly, aren't they? Yeah. What colour was the goat that you had? Was it blue? It was brown and it was white. What was your favourite bit? Holding the goats. Oh, were, they, were, they, were they rough and slippery, no? No, they just tried to escape. Oh, were they nice and soft? Yeah. <laughs> I stroked them while I was doing it. Oh, right. You haven't put any in your pocket to take home with you, have no. you? <laughs> Would you like one at home? Yeah. Do we ask Mummy? No. <laughs> we have one at home, Mummy? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Mummy has to get a rabbit instead. I did like them. There we are, some of the youngsters who were at the Kidding Chaos at Ballinorman Farm in Balaf. Mm -hmm. And uh, before that, I was speaking to Claire Lewis, uh, who was, well, trying to be in charge of it all on the day. <laughs> it was uh, very interesting. We all know that yourself, you've been where, where, the, where the lambing and the public are watching and been lucky enough for a couple of weeks that we were there to, to have a look at this. some kids actually being born um, wow. there and the kids have got the chance to huddle them. And th th they're so, th they're not, you know, like lambs, they're trying to escape all the time. The goats are quite happy to, to sit there, so it was really nice for them. It's lovely. There's nothing nicer than a child being able to hold a newborn animal it's, it doesn't get old even now at 30 years of age it's still a delight to see something being brought into the world but having a, a goat you know it must be absolute chaos there especially because goats are so naughty aren't they oh i don't know they're not too bad there <laughs> they, haven't got, they haven't got a lot of time to, to be naughty but of course they've got the angora ones for the for the coats and uh, the, the boar ones for the meat so uh, a lot on the plate but the kids enjoying their even that the hens uh, oh it's a great day well, out for all young eggs. people yeah. isn't it Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, there we are. That was this week's Countryside. A lighter note to finish with the kidding chaos there, Kiri, after the, uh, well, concerns from the president of the Manx National Farmers Union, Brian Brumby, as well. So uh, I think there'll be a lot more to come on that particular subject as well. But uh, have you ever held a goat? No, but I really do enjoy visiting them at the Highland Show or the Yorkshire Show. And the, the tent is always so so busy and so full. They're such an affectionate animal, aren't they? And to have the children of the Isle of Man be able to go and handle these goats and pick them up, it, it's absolutely delightful. Yeah, lovely and friendly as they well. They are. Good. We'll be back uh, at the same time next week with more in Countryside. So until then, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermode. 
we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being sure. Terms and conditions apply.